This is the Life at Work Conference podcast, an initiative of City Bible Forum. Hi, I'm Andrew Laird, host of the Life at Work Conference podcast, where we meet real workers wrestling with real workplace issues. Today, disability and the workplace, and the important role Christians can play in making workplaces more inclusive. It's not just about doing, you know, inclusivity because that's the legal or political requirements, but I actually think it's because we're motivated by the message of the gospel and we want to demonstrate, you know, the love and character of God in the world. My guest today is Dr. Louise Gosbull, Principal at Mary Andrews College and author of several publications about disability and the Christian faith. I'm Andrew Laird and this is the Life at Work Conference podcast. Inclusivity is a big theme in modern workplaces, but are there areas of inclusion we might not be aware of? And if so... Is it an opportunity for Christians to provide a powerful witness to the genuine inclusivity of the gospel? My guest today believes so, particularly in the area of disability. So welcome to the podcast, Louise. Thanks so much for having me. Louise, we're going to come to those issues that I mentioned in just a moment. Uh, But you have thought and you have written and you have spoken extensively on the topic of disability. Where does your passion and interest in this area come from? So originally it came because uh, of a particular incident that happened in my family. So I was um, at Bible college, I was finishing up a degree and thinking about doing an honours year. And I was trying to think of something to write about in this honours year and had no idea what I wanted to do. And it was interesting timing because my mother-in-law called me quite upset one day and she told me about something that had happened in their church. So my husband has a brother with Down syndrome. He was actually adopted into their family when he was a baby. His birth parents didn't want to have a baby with Down syndrome. So he was eventually adopted by my in-laws and had been involved in their local church ever since he came to live with the family at two weeks old. So by this time he was in his teens, he'd been involved in their local church community in a few different ways, welcoming people at the door, handing out bulletins, carrying in candles for liturgy and so on. Mm. But a new minister actually started at the church at that time and rang my mother-in-law and said uh, that my brother-in-law was no longer actually able to do any of those things, not be able to welcome, not be able to hand out bulletins. And his rationale was that someone with an intellectual disability can't actually understand the Gospels, so can't actually ever be called a Christian. Mm. And uh, so it was uh, my brother-in-law was asked to step down for those roles. So that was really the first time I thought, well, what is a Christian response to disability if if there are some people who genuinely believe uh, that intellectual ability or disability can prevent you from being able to have a relationship with God. So that was my first kind of foray into the world of disability. Now I think it's even much closer to home. We have a teenage daughter with autism and other disabilities. And for me personally, I've been quite unwell and have ended up with a neurological condition. So it's been really interesting for me after writing in disability theology for so many years um, to actually having to adjust to that personal lived experience of disability for myself for the first time. Mm, mm. Uh, you raised there something we'll come to a little bit in a, just a moment about different the different nature of, of disability. Um, but obviously they're quite a, a painful and hurtful experience and yet it has led to uh, this wonderful exploration and, and work that you have done and continue to do in this area. Look, Louise, um, 
Many Christians uh, may not have thought very deeply about what the Christian faith has to say about disability. That was perhaps what was going on there for that pastor, perhaps, and really what triggered your your interest and your research in the area. So maybe you could just give us a little bit of help getting started. What are some of the key strands of biblical teaching that would be helpful for us to grasp on this whole issue? Well, I could talk about this topic for a very long time, <laughs> but I will try and keep it brief for you. I think one of the key things that the Bible tells us about humanity, you know, all humanity, is that we're created in God's image. So God created humanity to be his image bearers, you know, to show the world his goodness and to demonstrate his character. And I think while, you know, spoiler alert, that humanity sin mm. and a huma- humanity then kind of failed to live up to God's directives in the garden, we still end up being God's image bearers. So even after the consequence of the fall, humans don't lose that duty and function to bear God's image. So, you know, in Genesis 9, after the fall, there is this directive for humans to not take the life of another human. Why? Because all humans are created in the image of God Mm. and are therefore precious to him. I think all humanity continue to bear God's image, and that doesn't change because of a person's physical or intellectual abilities or disabilities. All humans are precious to God. I think there are definitely some tricky passages in the Bible when it comes to disability. Some of the healing passages can definitely be um, tricky for some people with disability. Mm. But I think there's also some really important statements um, that should form the foundation for us as we're approaching the scriptures and thinking about disability. So one uh, passage I think is really key is in Exodus 4. And there's this really interesting exchange that takes place between God and Moses. You know, so God tells Moses to speak to Pharaoh Uh, about releasing the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. But Moses isn't so keen on kind of doing this task. One of the reasons Moses gives to God in trying to get out of it is that he actually says, I'm heavy of speech and Mm. heavy of tongue. While a lot of commentators say that Moses was actually just reluctant or perhaps he was nervous about doing the task God called him to, there are actually a lot of scholars, and I certainly agree with this, that think it's possible that Moses is actually referring to some kind of a speech impediment Mm. here, and that's what makes him reticent about speaking. And what's really interesting is God's response to Moses then when Moses says this. And Moses, uh, God says back to Moses in verse 11, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Mm. So disability isn't a surprise to God. It isn't a barrier. That means God says, oh, well, what a shame. If only you didn't have a disability, Mm. I'll find someone else then. It's actually not what God says to Moses at all. God is sovereign and Moses' reluctance or a speech impediment, whatever this is, doesn't actually stop God from being able to be at work in and through human beings despite any limitations or disabilities we might have. Mm, I look, I can see why you raised that passage there, Louise, because the, the implications for that are obviously profound in terms of really even addressing the issue that you yeah. raised just a moment ago that brought you into this area of research to begin with. And of course, you mentioned the, the image of God, that still being something that humanity uh, bear, even in light of and after the fall. And perhaps that uh, helps uh, in some ways answer my, my next question for you, which is that I mentioned just a moment ago how inclusivity is really a, a Christian value. We have a God who embraces all. So just can you flesh out uh, a little bit more for us how that 
idea, that truth feeds into your thinking about disability and the inclusion of people with a disability. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we know, I guess the invitation of the gospel is available to all people. You know, there are no restrictions on the message of the gospel in terms of gender, in terms of ethnicity or socioeconomic background. You know, everyone is loved by God and valued by God. And I think this is absolutely the same when it comes to ability and disability. So we aren't loved more by God because we're healthy or strong or smart. And I certainly don't think we're loved less by God because we have physical or intellectual or mental limitations either. And I think that example of Moses is really key there. I think one of the most powerful things about the gospel is the way that it actually breaks down barriers. You know, the greatest way the gospel does this, of course, is by breaking down the barrier that separates humanity from God. Mm. Because of Jesus, we're able to be restored in our relationship with God. But when people live out the gospel in their lives, you know, we also see other kinds of barriers being brought down between human beings. Can you help us just think through the, the different ways of thinking about disability? It's not a one-size-fits-all, is it? So, mm-hmm. for example, I mean, I know uh, some people uh, with certain disabilities who actually embrace uh, their disability positively. Uh, perhaps most well-known for us is the Australian of the Year, Dylan Olcott. We've heard him speak about his disability in that way. Uh, then there are others who might think of it in terms of impairment rather than disability. So just... Before we dive even deeper further into it, just help us to unpack a little bit the range of ways that people with disabilities or their carers, for example, might think about the issue and how to be sensitive to those nuances in our language particularly. You know, but I think you're really right. Disability is this really complex um, thing because you have a very broad range of different kinds of disabilities that people experience and people experience those disabilities in different kinds of ways. You know, so someone like Orcott is a wheelchair user, but he's actually also an athlete and he's someone Mm. who's articulate and can advocate for himself. You know, but disability also includes people with intellectual disabilities who might struggle to read or write, who find it difficult to advocate for themselves uh, and who might not even identify as having a disability. Mm. You know, the label of disability covers this really broad range of people with lots of different kinds of conditions. Uh, And so it's just really helpful to be aware of how broad a range that really is and that people feel differently towards their disabilities and they can use different languages, a different language to describe their own disability Mm. as well. So being sensitive to the language that people use to refer to their own disabilities, I think is really important. Mm. So for some people, there is this real sense of disability pride. Um, But others actually might shun the label of disability altogether. They don't always want to disclose it to people. Uh, I have a lovely, lovely friend who has an intellectual disability and she often introduces herself to people by saying her name and then she says, I have an intellectual disability, but only just a little one. Yeah. (laughs) And for her, it's because she actually doesn't want to be known by her disability. Mm. She wants to be known by her name, who she is as a person. You know, she wants to be treated with respect. She wants people to know she's kind and caring. And the, the most important thing about her is all these characteristics. That label of disability for her is something she's seen as a negative. And so it's not the big thing that she wants to dictate her particular life and her identity. So just recognising that that can be very different for different people 
people, I think is is a really helpful starting point. Mm. Uh, and it's only something you get to know as you get to know a person with a disability better and you talk to them about their own experiences and you can learn about, um, you know, different labels and the right language to use as you actually develop a relationship with someone. Yeah, and that will obviously come from, first of all, having that awareness, but then perhaps being slow to speak and, and quick to listen and to ask those kind of questions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Look, Louise, this is a podcast about daily work. So I want to turn our attention to that now. And you used that language a moment ago of, of barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's think about barriers when it comes to disability in the workplace. What have you observed to be some of the most common challenges that people with a disability might face when it comes to paid employment in Australia? I think there's a range of different barriers that can make it difficult for people uh, with disability to access employment. Some of those barriers are physical barriers, you know, so do you actually have a workplace that has a ramp for people to be able to get in if they have, uh, if they're a wheelchair user? Do you have accessible bathrooms for people who are wheelchair users or use mobility devices? But actually, it's easy to jump to physical barriers, mm. but often barriers that are make it harder are actually attitudinal and social barriers for people. So often people without disabilities make assumptions about the kinds of adjustments that might be necessary to accommodate a person with a disability to do a particular job. You know, for some people with low vision, screen reading technology, large print handouts might be all they need to be able to do the job comparably as their able-bodied peers. But I think there's often this unfounded perception that it'll take more time, you know, and effort than perhaps what it's worth to employ a person with a disability. Um, But it does just come from a lack of understanding, I think. Uh, It happens because people don't actually take the time to get to know an applicant or an employee uh, with a disability and find out the things that they actually need to be able to support them to do the job. Mm. And I I say this all the time, but I really think that small changes that you can make in a workplace make a big difference to creating inclusive environment and pulling down barriers. So, you know, do you make it standard that you offer large print documents? You know, mm. do you use the right kind of fonts and font sizes on documents and PowerPoints to ensure visibility? If you've got someone speaking in front of a room of people, do you make them use a microphone instead of that classic, oh no, it's fine, I can speak loudly. You might be able to speak loudly, but I guarantee you there's always someone in a room who's not going to quite catch everything Mm. if you don't use a microphone. So little changes like that actually make a big difference, uh, not only for people who identify as having a disability, but people who might have undiagnosed hearing or Mm. vision loss because of ageing and so on. So I think it's it's recognising there are physical barriers, but very often the biggest barriers are people's attitudes, you know, social understanding or misunderstanding about disability. Mm. So it's it's about growing in an awareness uh, as your first port of call rather than worrying necessarily as the first thing to go, oh, we need to put in a ramp and accessible bathrooms. Let's actually have a think about the way we might do things in our workplace that might create barriers for someone with a disability being able to participate. It sounds like a good point of application for us in light of the things you've been sharing is to be asking more questions and doing more listening rather than making assumptions, uh, both in terms of how we speak to people, about people, and uh, and as you say, the barriers that might exist. Look, Louise, um, you've outlined some of the barriers there, so just unpack it for us a little bit. What's the, what's the data like when it comes to Australia? How good are we or how bad are we, as the case may be, at uh, having inclusive workplaces for people with disabilities? 
Yeah, this is a great question, Andrew. So the data that we have um, from 2018 is that in Australia, only 48% of people with disability participated in the workforce in comparison to 89% of people without a disability participating in the workforce. Mm. So there's an international organisation you're probably aware of called the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, which is a bit of a mouthful, often gets called OECD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they exist to sort of create policies for economic growth, you know, efficient use of resources, improve economic well-being for people um, in workplaces and so on. And according to their data, they actually rank Australia as 20th out of 29 countries for labour force participation of people with disabilities. So for a wealthy, developed country, the number of people with disabilities in the workforce Australia is actually, you know, it's very low. It's much lower than it should be. So we have got a, a long way to, do, to go. There are obviously plenty of barriers that, uh, that need to be removed still. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and look, it's removing those barriers that we want to turn to uh, in just a moment's time in this podcast, in particular, uh, the way Christians might actually be able to have a significant role in workplaces in, in doing that. But just before we do, one, one further question, Louise. Often when we think about disability in the workplace, um, and you've, you've touched on this already, but we're not simply talking about people who might be born with a disability, but, but also those who might become disabled later in life or even uh, potentially uh, have a disability because of a workplace injury. Is that right? We need to have that, that broad way of thinking about this topic. Yeah, exactly. So disability, you know, covers a broad range of things, as we've talked about. That can include people who are born with disabilities and have had, you know, a lifetime with that disability. So they're very much adjusted to that. It can also include people who end up with an accident or illness or injury during their lifetime, which then requires significant adjustments to the way they're actually having to do things in their life, whether that's attending church, you know, doing things in their workplace and so on. So that is going to impact someone's attitude towards their disability, um, but also how we might go about supporting them in the workplace uh, as they're adjusting to a disability as well. Interestingly, in in Australia, the current stats are that about 18% of Australians, so it's about one in six Australians who live with some kind of disability. So whether that's um, something they're born with or something that uh, happens to them later in their life. Um, So I I think what's really helpful in recognising that is one in six, that's actually quite a lot of people. Mm. So you might not always see something um, that makes it obvious that someone has a disability. For a lot of people, those are invisible conditions. So you might not actually be aware of it, um, but it does challenge us to think about our workplaces, our church communities. One in six, is that well represented in our communities, in our workplaces, in our churches and so on? But I think it also helps us to realise, you know, in some respects, the inevitability of disability. If it's one in six Australians, that means that it's inevitable at some point you're probably going to encounter someone with a disability in your workplace or in your church. So are we ready for that? Are we able to adjust to that? Are we ready to be able to recognise that there might be someone who is deaf or hard of hearing? people on the autism spectrum, you know, people with mental health challenges, people with neurological conditions, um, like what I have developed over the last year or so. Mm. So I guess it's recognising there's lots of different kinds of disabilities. People experience their disability differently, but it is helpful in recognising that you're probably going to encounter this. It's pretty much guaranteed you will. So rather than thinking about disabilities as kind of minority thing that happens over there on the side, away from 
all the rest of the able-bodied mm. people. It just doesn't function like that at all. And in fact, the current data says that in countries like Australia, with a life expectancy of over 75, that the average person will spend more than eight years of their life with some kind of disability. Mm. So that might be just, you know, age-related hearing or vision loss, um, but it could be through something like an accident or illness. So disability really is pretty much inevitable and it's part of the human experience. So being ready to make adjustments in our workplace, I think, is really helpful. Um, be aware of people's different needs. Be prepared to make accommodations if someone needs it. Uh, and actually, I think, to plan and prepare for diversity in the way that we run our workplaces in the first place. Look, there's some really uh, eye-opening and also some very sobering statistics that you've uh, raised for us there, Louise. Lots for us to reflect on. But I think also wonderful opportunities, no doubt, for Christians when it comes to being uh, leaders uh, in their workplaces in this area. And of course, the, the powerful witness that that might be. And so we're going to take a short break now. But when we come back, that's exactly what I'd love you to help us think through there, Louise. The opportunities for Christians to be pulling down some of those barriers. But more on that in just a moment. Sharing Jesus these days isn't easy. It can even make us anxious. How can we have better conversations, laying the foundation to speak about faith-related things and even disagree well? Join Caroline Spencer in Having Calm Conversations, a brand new four-part online course that helps you reflect on how your conversations usually go and how you can grow in talking about Jesus with others. Go to citybibleforum.org courses to access your free trial. Well, welcome back. I'm talking with Dr. Louise Gosbel about disability and the workplace. But Louise, we, we haven't really talked much about your work as principal of Mary Andrews College. So look, tell us a little bit about the college, what your work involves, and, and maybe how what we're talking about in relation to disability might uh, intersect with your daily work there. Yeah, so Mary Andrews College is a ministry of Anglican Deaconess Ministries in Sydney. So the college actually started over 130 years ago to train women as deaconesses. So the role of the deaconess was, um, you know, based in parishes. They were women who were out uh, working in the community, you know, visiting the sick, caring for the poor, teaching scripture, you know, really serving and pastorally caring for people in their communities. Since the late 1980s, the role of deacon um, was opened up to women and so uh, we no longer uh, ordain people into the role of deaconess. But Mary Andrews College uh, continues to be a training college for women in Sydney and now across um, the country as we have online learning, which has been a good thing for us. So we really specialise in training women for practical ministry roles um, with a, a focus on, on pastoral care. We do actually have a pastoral care and mental health institute which is connected to MAC. Uh, and we're really committed to help train our students in understanding mental health um, and mental illness, disability, mm. uh, chronic illness, um, and a whole lot of other different areas of pastoral care as well to prepare people well for their ministry experiences. Mm. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Look, Louise, before the break, we, we raised the problem. <laughs> now I really want you to help us with the, the solution or at least beginning on that pathway towards um, bringing down those barriers. So tell us, what are some of the opportunities as you see it, whether they're big opportunities or small things that we might do, that where Christians are able to make a, a difference in their workplace so that there is greater inclusivity for people with a disability? Mm, yeah, I, I guess I talk a lot about the word inclusion. So we, you know, we use this and I often use inclusion as shorthand as a way of thinking about, you know, um, having people with disabilities as part of a workplace or a 
you know, church group, community, whatever it is. But I guess in reality, what we're really looking for is, is you know, full participation. So it's not just about ticking off a list of things and making sure, yes, tick, we have a ramp, tick, we have a, you know, um, accessible bathroom, because someone can actually be in your workplace and you can have all those physical things in place. But unless someone feels like they're fully integrated in your workplace, they really belong, they really feel like a full participant. Um, you know, that's so much bigger than just checking off a, a few things off a list. So you're wanting to say, you know, uh, to think more broadly about that, we might start with a list, but it's also about thinking, what can we do to ensure the culture, the way that we run things is uh, able to facilitate full participation for all of the people who are in our workplace. Mm. So it's not just about doing, you know, inclusivity because that's the legal or political requirements, but I actually think it's because we're motivated by the message of the gospel and we want to demonstrate, you know, the love and character of God in the world. So I think we really should be motivated by wanting to model the way that the gospel pulls down those barriers that we talked about before. And I think mm. our society works hard to build them up, to cause divisions amongst people. And as Christians, we need to work hard to pull those barriers back down. You know, I really love the story, Mark 2, of the man with paralysis who's brought to Jesus by his friends. You know, they're so determined to ensure that their disabled friend has access to Jesus, that they literally pull down physical mm. barriers. You know, in this case, the roof yeah. of the house, you know, to ensure that their friend has access to Jesus. And I think it's an important question for us to ask, you know, how can we help to pull down barriers that prevent people from accessing Jesus or the message of the gospel? So while inclusion isn't just about a list that you tick off, it, it can actually be a helpful place to start with thinking about what you can do um, to, to make your workplace more inclusive um, and a better place of belonging for people with disabilities. I think it's helpful to think about recognising uh, people's gifts and skills and people with disability can often give you a perspective that someone else in your workplace might not actually be able to give you because of their own um, difference in experiences. So the reality is that God has created, you know, everyone with different skills and abilities and we don't want to miss out mm. on having those gifts in our workplace just because we've sort of have a, a one size fits all approach to, um, you know, our employees. Yeah, that, that's fascinating there, Louise, to, to think about it in that way, that, that, that what we do in our daily work could be richer uh, for having uh, the insights of people from a variety of different backgrounds, including people who are thinking about the issue or the problem we're trying to solve in our workplace or the product we're trying to design and build, who are coming at it with that perspective and that insight, which, which those who may not have particular disabilities are, are not able to, to bring. And so there's, there's, there's incentive there alone <laughs> to be having a, a, a diverse and inclusive workplace. But you mentioned there also the motivation of uh, the love of God that we might have for all people and, and the, the energy and the enthusiasm and the passion of those men in, in Mark's gospel uh, in caring for their friend. So, Louise, I'm wondering what sort of witness do you think it could possibly have if Christians in the workplace are known as, like those friends in Mark's gospel who are really passionate about ensuring that those with a disability are included? 
Yeah, I think we have an incredible opportunity. I really feel strongly about that. Anyone who knows me would have heard me say this many, many times, but I really think the church, that Christians have an amazing opportunity to be a witness on this front. You know, there was this huge report that was done in 2009 by the Australian government called the Shut Out, sorry, the Shut Out Report, um, which really examined the experiences of people with disability in Australia. Yeah. And, you know, that report talks a lot about um, the kinds of barriers and exclusions and the challenges faced by people with disability in Australia. Many people share about, um, you know, really horrific stories of exclusion and disenfranchisement in all areas of their life, in work, in accessing goods and services, in, um, in equity, in education, uh, and so many other things. And, and I think here is this amazing opportunity that Christians have um, to be a witness, to show something very different to the exclusion and disenfranchisement that people with disability experience in broader society. So more than just kind of ticking off that list, we do have this opportunity to model, I think, what is the transformational nature of the gospel mm. in valuing all people and recognising people's gifts and the contributions people can make to our workplaces. You know, we love because God first loved us. And so this is one way we can help demonstrate that love of God in the way that we run our workplaces. You know, not just seeing people as a burden or a problem, mm. but seeing all people as God's image bearers who have something valuable to actually offer our workplace communities. Mm. And given those OECD figures that you mentioned a, a short while ago, there are obviously lots of opportunities for Christians to get into this space and be, be doing things in advocating for and championing the cause of people with a disability and seeing them included in the workplace. So perhaps, Louise, if there was just one small tangible thing that a person could do today... Uh, when it comes to their workplace or in relation to their colleagues that might make a difference and and model that inclusive nature of the gospel, what would you suggest to someone? Yeah, well, as I've said a few times, I think really the best thing that you can do is, is build relationship and ask questions. You know, I think it starts with a conversation in your workplace, whether you already have people with disability there, whether you don't have anyone who identifies or who has um, publicly identified as having a disability. I think starting a conversation with how well your workplace supports people with disabilities or could support people with disabilities is an, you know, a fabulous place to start. You know, what systems do you have in your workplace for someone to disclose a disability and request support? Is it mm. easy for them to do this? You know, is there a feeling of stigma uh, if someone needs to ask for disability support? Often that can happen in workplaces. You know, do you make people um, publicly declare this or is there a system where someone can confidentially speak to someone about their mental health issues and the kind of support that they might need, for example? Um, so thinking about how well is your organisation already doing on these fronts? So I think you could start that conversation casually over lunch, you know, but I also think if you're a boss or an employer, um, you, you could actually be a lot more intentional about starting that kind of conversation with your employees, you know, sending out an anonymous questionnaire and asking mm. people's thoughts on disability inclusion. You know, later down the track, you might do a full audit of your workplace or, you know, run inclusion training or something like that. But I think the best place to start is just opening up that conversation and showing that it's on your radar and something mm. that you're interested and committed to. Again, not just ticking boxes, not just filling quotas, but actually committed to wanting to see a diverse workplace because God has created humanity in 
in, in its full diversity and we want to see that represented in our workplaces. And is that as simple as perhaps asking a question of someone, uh, are there ways in which we could improve the, the way that we are inclusive of people with a disability in this workplace, whether it's yourself or, or, or other people? Are those the sort of simple yeah. questions to ask? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, if someone has, um, uh, you know, a, a disability and that's a well-known thing, they're happy to talk about that. Mm. You can ask them respectfully. I would always want to make sure people are doing that respectfully, you know, mm. not in front of everyone. Perhaps you might do a one-on-one, -on -one, can I casually ask you and ask for their permission to be able to talk mm. about it. Can I ask you about this? The reason I want to talk about this is because I'm hoping we can do better. So it's not just, you know, prying about someone's disability, recognising that under the Disability Discrimination Act, you know, you do have to be careful about the way you talk about it. But mm. generally, in my experience, when you do that respectfully, because you're absolutely committed to wanting to make change, then you'll find that people respond positively. Mm. Mm. Uh, look, Louise, I really hope that this has been a, an eye-opener and challenging and, and yet also encouraging conversation for, for those listening. And uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if in five years' time we were to see Australia rising up in those uh, OECD rankings as an end in itself, but, but particularly if uh, Christians around this country had a significant part to play in, uh, in, in making that happen. So there's a great encouragement, a great challenge, I think, for us all uh, listening to this today. So thank you so much, Louise, for, for sharing your wisdom and uh, your personal experience as well. Yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate that this is a topic that's on your radar, Andrew. Our pleasure. Look, thank you also for you listening, uh, joining us in this episode. Our next episode will land in your podcast feeds in a fortnight. And we're going to be joined by one man who's had quite a remarkable career and how his faith has shaped and directed him uh, each step along the way. So you don't want to miss his story. But look, until next time, I'm Andrew Laird and you've been listening to the Life at Work Conference podcast. The Life at Work Conference podcast is produced by City Bible Forum. To find out more and register for the conference, go to citybibleforum.org slash lifeatworkconference. Enjoyed this podcast? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing and leaving a rating so others can find us too. Join us next time on the Life at Work Conference podcast with Andrew Laird.